glad you've joined us on Songs of Praise, an hour of musical reflection to encourage your heart.
hope you're enjoying Songs of Praise. Here's some more inspirational music. Jesus 
the sun does not appear I, I, I will be here If in the dark we lose sight of love Hold my hand and have no fear Cause I, I will be There's a line that 
Songs of Praise continues with more inspirational music. When you are 
heart stays the same from round to round. He's your solid ground. In the sunshine, in the rain, in the joy and in the pain, God stays the same from day to day. He's your hiding place. In the sunshine, in the rain, in the joy. Flowers fade, seasons change, the grass withers away, but Jesus will always remain the same. On the days when you are up, on the days when you are down, God stays the same from round to round.
just like you and me. soul shall be praising Jesus and his love. He is everything to me, to me. He is he, everything, he to, me, everything to me, and everything, everything shall, shall always, be. always be. I will never cease to raise a song of gladness in his praise. And in the world above, my soul shall sing of saving love, life and light, in joy you see, the precious friend who died for me. Glory be to him forever, endless praises to Christ the Lamb. He has filled my life with sunshine. He has made me what I am. Oh, that everyone would know him. Oh, that all, oh, that all, that all would adore. Oh, that all would trust the love of the mighty friend above and be his forevermore. He is everything to me, to me. He is he everything, is everything to, me, to me, and everything, everything 
shall always be. I will never cease to raise a song of gladness in His praise. Here and in the world above, my soul shall sing of saving love. Life and light and joy is here, the precious friend who died for me.
listening to Songs of Praise. It's our desire to encourage and uplift your thoughts to our loving Creator God.
Join us again next time on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio, to enjoy more uplifting music. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, Go into the highways and hedges. Through human agents who cooperate with the divine, many a poor outcast will be reclaimed, and in his turn will seek to restore the image of God in man. There are those who have had very meager opportunities, who have walked in ways of error because they knew no better way, to whom beams of light will come. As the word of Christ came to Zacchaeus, Today I must abide at thy house, Luke 19.5, so the word will come to them, and those who were supposed to be hardened sinners will be found to have hearts as tender as a child's because Christ has deigned to notice them. Many will come from the grossest error and sin and will take the place of others who have had opportunities and privileges but have not prized them. They will be accounted the chosen of God, elect, precious, and when Christ shall come into his kingdom, they will stand next his throne. But see that ye not refuse him that speaketh. Hebrews 12.25 Jesus said, None of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. They had rejected the invitation, and none of them were to be invited again. In rejecting Christ, the Jews were hardening their hearts and giving themselves into the power of Satan so that it would be impossible for them to accept his grace. So it is now, if the love of God is not appreciated and does not become an abiding principle to soften and subdue the soul, we are utterly lost. The Lord can give no greater manifestation of his love than he has given. If the love of Jesus does not subdue the heart, there are no means by which we can be reached. Every time you refuse to listen to the message of mercy, you strengthen yourself in unbelief. Every time you fail to open the door of your heart to Christ, you become more and more unwilling to listen to the voice of Him that speaketh. You diminish your chance of responding to the last appeal of mercy. Let it not be written of you as of ancient Israel, Ephraim is joined to his idols, let him alone. Hosea 4.17 Let not Christ weep over you as he wept over Jerusalem, saying, How often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood upon her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Luke 13, verses 34 and 35 We are living in a time when the last message of mercy, the last invitation, is sounding to the children of men. The command, go out into the highways and hedges, is reaching its final fulfillment. To every soul, Christ's invitation will be given. The messengers are saying, come, for all things are now ready. 
Heavenly angels are still working in cooperation with human agencies. The Holy Spirit is presenting every inducement to constrain you to come. Christ is watching for some sign that will betoken the removing of the bolts and the opening of the door of your heart for his entrance. Angels are waiting to bear the tidings to heaven that another lost sinner has been found. The hosts of heaven are waiting, ready to strike their harps and to sing a song of rejoicing that another soul has accepted the invitation to the gospel feast. The Measure of Forgiveness This chapter is based on Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Peter had come to Christ with the question, How oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? The rabbis limited the exercise of forgiveness to three offenses. Peter, carrying out, as he supposed, the teaching of Christ, thought to extend it to seven, the number signifying perfection. But Christ taught that we are never to become weary of forgiving. Not until seven times, he said, but until seventy times seven. Then he showed the true ground upon which forgiveness is to be granted and the danger of cherishing an unforgiving spirit. In a parable, he told of a king's dealing with the officers who administered the affairs of his government. Some of these officers were in receipt of vast sums of money belonging to the state. As the king investigated their administration of this trust, there was brought before him one man whose account showed a debt to his lord for the immense sum of ten thousand talents. He had nothing to pay, and according to the custom, the king ordered him to be sold with all that he had that payment might be made. But the terrified man fell at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their lord all that was done. Then his lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. This parable presents details which are needed for the filling out of the picture, but which have no counterpart in its spiritual significance. The attention should not be diverted to them. Certain great truths are illustrated, and to these our thought should be given. The pardon granted by this king represents a divine forgiveness of all sin. Christ is represented by the king who, moved with compassion, forgave the debt of his servant. Man was under the condemnation of the broken law. He could not save himself, and for this reason Christ came to this world 
clothed his divinity with humanity, and gave his life, the just for the unjust. He gave himself for our sins, and to every soul he freely offers the blood-bought pardon. With the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. Psalm 130 verse 7. Here is the ground upon which we should exercise compassion toward our fellow sinners. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. John 4 verse 11. Freely ye have received, Christ says, freely give. Matthew 10 verse 8. In the parable, when the debtor pleaded for delay with the promise, Have patience with me and I will pay thee all, the sentence was revoked. The whole debt was cancelled, and he was soon given an opportunity to follow the example of the master who had forgiven him. Going out, he met a fellow servant who owed him a small sum. He had been forgiven ten thousand talents. The debtor owed him a hundred pence. But he who had been so mercifully treated dealt with his fellow labourer in an altogether different manner. His debtor made an appeal similar to that which he himself had made to the king, but without a similar result. He who had so recently been forgiven was not tender-hearted and pitiful. The mercy shown him he did not exercise in dealing with his fellow servant. He heeded not the request to be patient. The small sum owed to him was all that the ungrateful servant would keep in mind. He demanded all that he thought his due, and carried into effect a sentence similar to that which had been so graciously revoked for him. How many are today manifesting the same spirit? When the debtor pleaded with his Lord for mercy, he had no true sense of the greatness of his debt. He did not realize his helplessness. He hoped to deliver himself. Have patience with me, he said, and I will pay thee all. So there are many who hope by their own works to merit God's favour. They do not realise their helplessness. They do not accept the grace of God as a free gift, but are trying to build themselves up in self-righteousness. Their own hearts are not broken and humbled on account of sin, and they are exacting and unforgiving toward others. Their own sins against God, compared with their brother's sins against them, are as ten thousand talents to one hundred pence, nearly one million to one, yet they dare to be unforgiving. In the parable, the Lord summoned the unmerciful debtor and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise, said Jesus, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. He who refuses to forgive is thereby casting away his own hope of pardon. But the teaching of this parable should not be misapplied. God's forgiveness toward us lessens in no wise our duty to obey Him. So the spirit of forgiveness toward our fellow men does not lessen the claim of just obligation. In the prayer which Christ taught His disciples, He said, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
Matthew 6, verse 12. By this he did not mean that in order to be forgiven our sins, we must not require our just dues from our debtors. If they cannot pay, even though this may be the result of unwise management, they are not to be cast into prison, oppressed, or even treated harshly. But the parable does not teach us to encourage indolence. The Word of God declares that if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 The Lord does not require the hard-working man to support others in idleness. With many there is a waste of time, a lack of effort, which brings to poverty and want. If these faults are not corrected by those who indulge them, all that might be done in their behalf would be like putting treasure into a bag with holes. Yet there is an unavoidable poverty, and we are to manifest tenderness and compassion toward those who are unfortunate. We should treat others just as we ourselves, in like circumstances, would wish to be treated. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, charges us, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 5. But sin is not to be lightly regarded. The Lord has commanded us not to suffer wrong upon our brother. He says, If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Luke 17, verse 3. Sin is to be called by its right name and is to be plainly laid out before the wrongdoer. In his charge to Timothy, Paul, writing by the Holy Spirit, says, Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. And to Titus he writes, There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. Titus 1, verses 10 to 13. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. Enjoy the short presentation of how God led His people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. When Jay and Andrews arrived in England in 1874 on his way to Switzerland, he didn't find any Adventist converts. There was one Adventist English family, but they had emigrated before he arrived. In 1878, English-born William Ings 
who himself had emigrated to America, arrived here in Southampton for a two-week stay to visit his relatives and also to evangelize. He passed out some literature while he was here and was able to convince two people to keep the Sabbath. His next visit in 1878 would prove more fruitful, and in May of that year, they sent a request to the General Conference to send a minister over. In June of that year, the General Conference voted to send the experienced pioneer and administrator, J.N. Loughborough. Southampton was one of the cities that the Mayflower left from on its way to America, and it would prove the birthplace of the Adventist church here in Britain. J.N. Loughborough found the work here both different and more difficult than in America. He held a series of meetings in an area near where the present Seventh-day Adventist church is, and his opening crowd of 150 dwindled quickly. After 255 meetings in December of 1879, he did not have a single baptism, though he did have a Sabbath school with 17 members. The work was hard and the challenges were multiple, but they pressed on. In January of 1880, the newly formed Tract and Missionary Society began sending signs of the times to libraries and interested people. By February of that year, 13 people were baptized in Southampton, and by 1883, the first Adventist church was formed in Britain with 19 founding members. By the end of 1883, there were 65 members in Britain, and by 1887, there were 122. The headquarters of the church in Britain with the staff and the printing press would move to Grimsby, a house there on the North Sea coast. And by 1884, two churches would be formed in Grimsby and Ulcerby. This building behind me is the first Seventh-day Adventist built and owned church in the British Isles and was dedicated in 1889. Essen Haskell would come over and take over the leadership of the church in Britain and move the headquarters from the relative obscurity of Grimsby down to London. In London, using a house as their base, they began to train local people and continued with aggressive literature evangelism. In June of that year, they baptized nearly 20 people. Judson Washburn would further develop the evangelistic work in England with an emphasis on literature evangelism, Christ-centered preaching, and musical singing groups. He held audiences of up to 1,000 people and in the town of Bath, baptized nearly 80 people. In 1902, the British Union was formed with three missions and two conferences, a newly formed college and a health food factory. In 1907, the three institutions, along with the British Union headquarters, were relocated to the 25-hectare Stambra Park, which still serves as the headquarters of the British Union to this day. Even though church membership increased by 20% through the war, World War I would prove a huge test to the young church as the challenge of conscription was faced. Some were able to serve as conscientious objectors, but others were less fortunate and were imprisoned and tortured for refusing to compromise their faith. 
This memorial stands here as a testament to their faith under fire and in recognition of the sacrifice that they and their families made. Even though the work progressed relatively slowly here in Britain with quite a few challenges early on, workers from the British Union and graduates from Newbold College here would prove quite influential in world missions, serving as missionaries in Africa and India amongst other places. Through dedication and commitment, the work moved on. As in other parts of the world, there has never been a glory era of evangelism, but the commission is to go into all the world, no matter how easy or hard the work may be. If you are living and working for Christ today in an area and you are not getting the success that you hoped or dreamed of, then I want to encourage you to stay faithful at your duty. For God rewards us not according to our seeming success, but according to the spirit in which the work is done. To view more episodes in this series, visit lineagejourney.com.